He wears tights and dresses like a bug. We should all give him a great big hug. Look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. Mr. Whitehead, why haven't gotten me a picture of Spider-Man yet? Uh, the, the, sir, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I can't find him anywhere. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were the one behind that mask, kid. <laughs> oh, but you know, it's funny. It's funny you do that. And I, I'm going to stop you there because it's funny you do that because in the, in the classic cartoon, Spectacular Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I love the, the skit where, where Parker comes in and he's like, uh, boss, can I get a word? And he's like, scram. How about two words? Scram, kid. Or how about 17 words? Get the hell out of my office in 3.5 seconds. <laughs> like, it's... it's I, I don't think they've ever done Jonah wrong. Like, I've never seen a bad version of J. Jonah Jameson. I th- Obviously, my favorite is the 90s. Uh, the voice actor that got to play him was the same actor who's been in, like, Disney stuff like Up, um, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And he did, he did a great J. Jonah... Uh, and then, of course, uh, we all know what's going to happen in this podcast. We're going to talk about that, but we know that uh, we know that when Sam Raimi came around and casted uh, J.K. Simmons, that was perfect. Like that was the best casting ever. Like, uh, like in the second one, he's like, "Hey, can I get an advance?" He's just like, "The laughter is so funny." And it's strange because he's like he's like a huge Hollywood dude now. J.K. Simmons is in a bunch of stuff now. Before Spider-Man, never saw him once. So I'm convinced Sam Raimi or somebody in Hollywood, somebody at Sony, made him in a tank because he's so perfectly suited for J. Jonah Jameson. They're like, we can't find anybody good enough to play J.J.J. in this movie. Let's mm-hmm. make him Snoke style in a tank of goop. And then he did, and he came out fully formed like that. He had a cigar in his mouth, and he was like, somebody get me a picture. Come on. And then uh, <laughs> once he finished playing it, they kind of told him, they're like, okay, so JK, so now that we're done this trilogy, you know, if you want to keep acting, he's like, of course I do. I'm going to make a movie about drums. I'm going to play Commissioner Gordon. I'm going to do everything. And then he, just, <laughs> he carried on from there. Yeah. Oh, oh man, yeah. And uh, which is funny because J, uh, J. Jonah Jameson is actually based on what it was like working with Stan Lee. That's right. He was a tyrant. <laughs> he was a tyrant. Yeah, I, which I imagine, like, because at the time when he when he was at Timely Production or was it Timely Timely uh, Comics or whatever, um, yeah. At that time, I mean, newspapers and magazines, like you'd be, you'd have to be printing them like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I could imagine he'd be like, "Get me drawings of Spider Man," and like just doing that whole thing. But I, I totally see it. I, I totally see it. And it works. It, it's just awesome. Uh, and it's, it, even though he only appears in today's movie for a little bit, it mm-hmm. made the day. But that's jumping too far ahead. This is Infinity Rewatch. This is yeah. the Spider-Man Far From Home episode. I am yeah. Andrew Fantasia, and you are... Ryan J. Whitehead. Yeah! Yeah! That's right. Yeah. I, want a, I want a picture of those guys. Infinity Rewatch. Yeah. They're going to be big. Huh. And we've reached it, Ryan. You mentioned before we started recording, and you're absolutely right. We've reached the final movie. Like, when we started this show, this movie had already come out. Yeah. And we were like, let's do the rewatch because the Infinity Saga is all done and it's all wrapped up. I mean, we we kind of got COVID-19 at a time when... I hate to say this because it sounds horrible, but for Marvel fans, it couldn't have happened at a better time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. at least it was between 
this, the end of one saga and the beginning of another. So it, we expected at this point in our lives to be kind of like neck deep in phase four already. Uh, but that's not the case. And now here we are, we're on the final movie of not just phase three, but the infinity saga. What a journey we've been on. Yeah. I mean, but that doesn't mean it's the end of infinity rewatch, but no. it's, it's uh, cause it's infinity. You can't just end infinity, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's the end of this, this incredible saga of movies, which I, I've never thought I would see the day where we get like a Marvel saga of movies uh, and, and have them all be as good as they are. I mean, there were some bumpy roads between, you know, in the middle, in, in the middle in there. And then near the end, there is one or two, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a journey and I, I couldn't have been happier, man. Like what Kevin Feige and the creative team did, they turned, they turned around, they turned it around. And I love Kevin Feige's response. He's like, okay, you know, well, Marvel was on the fritz and, uh, and he always wanted to make a movie and they're like, okay, so we, you know, people are all, all like, oh, what are you going to do? You don't have Spider-Man, you don't have X-Men or Fantastic Four. And Kevin Feige's response is like, well, we have everybody else. Like, uh-huh. you couldn't have said that better. Like, yeah, you have everybody else. So tell that story, like, go for it. And it, it paid off. It, it, and I, I'm glad. I, I think for me, I would say I, you know, a lot of sometimes people would say I was born in the wrong year. I think I was born at the perfect time to really enjoy this, like to really absorb and take it in. Because I think I was, I think when we talked about it, uh, when, when we talked about Iron Man, uh, and we have talked about this a couple times, but yeah, I was just out of high school, about four years out of high school, I think, when Iron Man came out. So um, it was 2008. Yeah. So I was, I was. Through technically three, but it's supposed to be four. Technically three years out of high school, uh, but yeah, it it was, um, it, yeah, it could. I think I was the perfect age for it because I, I I just did, I was just the right age and I enjoyed them all at the right time. And knowing you and I, when we're ninety two, and they're like, guys, it's Captain Marvel sixteen is coming out. We're gonna be like, yeah, we'll be the first ones there. Our, our little sitting in little geriatric section like this one's not as good as captain marvel 17 though Uh, (laughs) by the way apologies to everybody you're probably hearing a lot of background noise on my end the people upstairs are vacuuming and when they vacuum and when they do anything really it's kind of like you know that that scene in the trailer of godzilla versus kong where kong just goes like this with the axe that's like he just jumps in the air that's exactly what they do with everything in their daily life so I love uh, it. When you hear slamming and crashing and you will hear large things falling, I'm okay, is, is the moral <laughs> of the story. Um, the, the, so Spider-Man Far From Home. He's far from home. And I first of all, I want to talk about the title because you know me. I love talking about titles. This is a cool creative choice I've never seen done before to have where you have subtitles, which is very common, but the subtitles themselves maintain a theme throughout the series. I don't think I've, I can think of any other example where that has happened, Ryan. Like Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home. Like I've never seen that anywhere else. I can't say I have either. It's it's such, but it's so cool. I I, yeah. but I know they they had to have been influenced by something that related to that kind of clever titling, but I've never seen one where it plays on the same word. Yeah, same. I've never seen that happen, and I love it. I just. Even their titles are creative. Like, yeah, you're 
You're killing me, Marvel. You're killing me with how much fun you are. Which is which is funny because at the time of this podcast, uh, I'd say almost a month ago now, we've been given, or not a month ago, I'd say a couple weeks ago, we were given the third title of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's and got no uh, which way. is no no way home. And and but what I love about it is because the genius in the branding and and it, and. This really comes to show you how you sh- how I think people should really appreciate branding when it's done right because mm-hmm. everyone and I mean every like Marvel fan was trying to mathematically figure out what the title was based on the fact that they were going to use home in some way shape or form. I mean, I love in the the trailer for the title they they showed like all the different possibilities and yeah. how how uh, the director was like, oh yeah, no, this doesn't work. Like, oh, this we this would cost us rights. Like, no place like home. I thought that was a good one, but obviously that's trademark. You can't use that. But that really but that's what I mean. I think it says that. I think it says that when you look at the trailer, it says it's like trademark or it, like it's. I think this is another movie or something like that. Oh, okay. All right. I, I remember somebody tossing around home run like a few months ago around Christmas time. And I was like, I dig that. Cause it's yeah. like strike, not, not strike, not to say that homecoming and far from home were bad, far from it, but it's kind of mm. like, you know, strike one, strike two, and then home run. Like knock it out of the park. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no way home is great. And far from home is a great title too. Did you, uh, you know how like in Indiana Jones movies um, they have that, that transition where, cause they're all Paramount distributes them. So every Indiana Jones movie starts with the Paramount mountain and then it dissolves into a real mountain yes. uh, in the movie. They did the same thing here. And I thought it was so cool with the, the Columbia angel. And then she, she dissolves into that angel in Mexico on the side of the road. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's so true. I love, I love when they do that though. It's so yeah. perfect. And oh, that's so good. Yeah, no, I remember uh, Last Crusade. Last Crusade did that. I mean, every Indiana Jones movie did it, but I loved, I loved Last Crusade when they did that. Yeah, uh, and the, and the Mexico scene uh, introduced us to. I, I always mix up my elementals here. Who was in the Mexico scene? Was that Sandman? I think it was. Uh, yes, that was Sandman. Yeah. yeah. So, as a guy who is, I'm I'm very familiar with Sandman and Hydro Man and Molten Man, but I'm not familiar with the concept of the elementals. And mm-hmm. after watching this movie, I like I, I kept asking myself, and I was like, okay, Ryan's gonna know the answer to this. Does this count? Like, can we say like this was a movie that had Sandman and Hydro Man in it? Because to me, those are intelligent dudes who are real with real powers, and this was all an illusion that just happens to look like them. So I say no. I say it's in the same vein as how like we don't count Iron Man three as having the Mandarin in it because that was fake. Do you agree? I okay, so I agree with you, yes, but I would say no to Sandman, yes to technically Hydro Man because Hydro Man got a call out. Ah, right. Um, So I I actually loved how the director did this um, because, and and this is an example we talked about this with Peyton Reed, and this is the same example with this director. I don't even want to try to say his name because I feel like I'm going to get it wrong. (laughs) But I love his directing. I'm actually am in love with his directing, and I I absolutely cannot wait for his his Fantastic Four with Kevin Feige. I want to see what that's going to be about. But so the reason why I love it is because what happened is in Far From Home was when they did um, when they did the the water scene. 
they actually do mention two mentions. One, the license plate on the boat said TAS and then insert number. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have that number with me right now, but it did say TAS and that stands for the amazing Spider-Man. And then it's the issue number. And that is the comic that introduces Hydro Man. Beautiful. Um, and that, that was one reference. The second reference is, and I love the modernization they did. We talked about this in Homecoming. So if you guys aren't subscribers to the Rebels Gun Podcast Network, make sure you smash that subscribe button and, uh, and also hit likes on our podcast and everyone's podcast that you've listened to and enjoyed because they love that. Um, but uh, uh, we talked about Flash and what they how they modernized Flash in today's world because I do think that's what Flash would have evolved into as a character mm -hmm. in, in a contemporary setting. Um, but I loved how he's like on the web and he finds he finds this random story. But the story is actually Hydro Man's backstory, which is uh, Miles Bench uh, was a sailor and he got um, he fell into the ocean with a reactor of some kind and it turned him into a Hydro Man. Um, so he does call out that. And I think that was the director's subtle, subtle nod and being like, OK, we're not going to give you Hydro Man. We're going to give you the closest thing we can give you uh, without it actually being Hydro Man. And we'll not, we'll give that, we'll give you a little nod there that, look, we're, we're paying attention yeah. kind of thing. And I love that. I thought it was perfect because, you know, in, in certain, um, in certain DC movies, they'll, they'll bring in a character and they'll just throw them away. Like they'll just be such a quick toss away character and you'll be are, upset. Are you talking because... about Gossip Gertie from Batman and Robin? Because I agree, <laughs> they wasted Gossip Gertie. Yeah, um, I'm actually. I was actually referring to um, Mr. Simon Stagg in uh, in Wonder Woman 84. Ah. If you haven't seen that yet, but at yeah. this point, I imagine if you're a fan, you would see that. But mm -hmm. they have like DC has done this numerous times. But the the most recent example is is they'll throw in, uh, or another great example is Kilowog in, in in a movie I probably won't even want to say. But um, but they'll have these characters and they'll just toss them. And it's mm -hmm. just like they're there and they, they come and go so quickly that you don't get even a chance to really appreciate them, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, but what I loved about this was they, they gave you two nods that directly reference that character and saying like, look, we, we're sorry we can't give you Hydro Man, but don't worry, like we, we, this is what we gave you and, and we hope you enjoy it. Like, and it's, it's so smart. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> you know what I would have done if I was directing this movie? You know what nod I would have done? What okay. would you have done, sir? Because my only knowledge of Hydro Man comes from the animated series where he was a guy named Maury Bench who went to high school with MJ. So yeah. what I would have done is during the scene in Venice when Hydro Man attacks, I would have had a cameo of Maury Povich and I would have had him <laughs> sitting on a bench and then the water comes and flows him away. And as he's being washed away, he would have looked at the camera and been like, do you get it? And then he's gone. <laughs> just, spell it, just spell it out for the audience. Oh, man. Classic. But I mean, I do love that. So yes, in, in bringing it back to your question, which is like what I consider the elementals, you know, Hydro or Sandman, Hydro Man, Molten Man. And then I don't even know who the wind one would be. But um, but yeah, no, I would yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I would say yes to Hydro Man, but no to Sand they didn't even they didn't even give Sandman a chance. Like they didn't mm. do anything for that. So 
it could mean that we could see a Sandman down the road, but it definitely means that that was not. But Hydro Man, it's it's too much of a coincidence for it not to be nothing. So yeah, I and I think you're right. I think Sandman is a strong enough character that they they'll want to use him eventually. Whereas yeah. Hydro Man, nobody really gives you know too much of a bother mm-hmm. about Hydro Man. So it's like it's almost like the people making the movie kind of knew like we're not going to make a, a movie in the future where Hydro Man is a big deal. So let's throw the shout outs for him. But for Sandman, yeah. no. For Sandman, it's strictly just an illusion because that might one day become a real thing. And we don't want to waste it. still that, be a so. thing. Yeah, I think for sure. Perfectly done. So I'm going to actually take a little bit of the steering here because do it, one, do thing, it. one thing I do want to talk about before you, before you lead us to the next segment is um, the trailer, I will say, was amazing. First of mm-hmm. all, the trailer was awesome. And one reason why I like it is, first of all, they used a deleted scene. Um, so that scene we never really saw in the movie. Uh, and it's interesting because it references Silvermane, which is pretty cool. Oh, my God. What is this scene? Yeah, it's the one where he's in the restaurant and he's taking out all the goons, the mobsters. Wow. Yeah. I don't remember. So I have to watch that trailer again. <laughs> and so well i love it because um i love it because what happens is is that uh what happens is in the restaurant he's like flipping them up and like you know taking them all out with the iron spidey armor and he's with the cops and the cops are like oh so you're the next iron man and he's like well i can't I'm too busy doing your job and they're all like oh like oh. they're all making fun of each other but it's such a a spider-man moment and it's mm. so well done, and it's such a great tone setter. Um, but they introduced Mysterio. And so this was exciting to me at the time, and I'm pretty sure for you guys out there, it was also a big reveal for you because they went for a villain that nobody was going, like nobody was expecting. Everyone was thinking about it, like it would be cool to do Mysterio because, come on, it's Mysterio. Like that's, that's an incredible character. Even when the original trilogy came out, um, you... I'm pretty sure a lot of people were had Mysterio on their mind, but I would say that film at the time was a bit more limiting, like limiting, I guess is the word. Um, but it was so cool to get that visual confirmation that we're getting Mysterio. And it like the timing and technology could not have been better for this character. Like it's just absolute perfection. Um, so when the trailer showed him off there, and I will say the trailer was very good at being deceiving because a lot of people did exactly what Kevin Feige wants you to do, which is speculate all the live long day because <laughs> chances are only like a percentage of you, a small percentage of you are actually going to get the story right. So kudos to Feige and creative team for that. Love the trailer for this movie. Um, and so when we see him after the Sandman fight, it was uh, it was really cool to see him appear and have the whole suit and everything and uh jake gyllenhaal loved the suit he he actually requested to wear it as much as humanly possible uh in the movie which is fantastic to see and i loved he actually started social media when he got the role for mysterio because his first picture is him reading a mysterio comic oh cool man mm. wow I, I well i i think i'd feel the same way if i was cast in a role where i got to wear a cape because I feel like if I if I had a cape in my costume, I'd be like, you're not taking this away from me. This is my cape now. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> yes, yes I still need the capes. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> so I, good. I remember when um, they announced, I couldn't tell you when, like date wise, but I remember when they announced Mysterio was going to be the villain. And it, it it's exactly like you, you said, Ryan, like it was like a, a big thing where I'm like, wow, they're going for it. And it, He's not even a villain who was super on my radar, even as a big Spider-Man fan. But as soon as they said he's going to be the villain, I was like, wow, I can't wait to see what they do with him. Um, but I I really want to hear what went through your head, because if I'm not mistaken, he's your favorite Spider-Man villain, isn't he? That's right. He is. Uh, he yeah. actually grew to be my favorite Spider-Man villain pretty quickly. Um, I Originally, um, I originally I liked Sandman. Mm -hmm. um but i never got a good media representation of him because in the 90s they didn't use sandman due to some legal issues apparently yeah he wasn't in the animated series that's right he was not in the 90s series but they did do mysterio and man did they do mysterio in that show they killed it with them so that kind of kicks kick started it and after that I, i loved mysterio um so yes uh, mysterio is definitely is my top uh, Spider-Man villain because I love, I love his idea of villainy and and he is actually considered an antihero, um, but I love how he fights. I love that he essentially can use illusions and I love magicians, so that just adds a whole different level to it. Um, <laughs> but he uses illusions to to deceive his foe and and do all these cool different things and then uses robotics to fake him out, which is pretty neat. So yeah, love it and. I think it's so cool that they made his costume. Um, well, first of all, his costume looks like his costume. Again, Marvel is not shy with the costumes. Uh, I I actually caved and I got um, that. I think you're the one who told me about it. I got that uh, Tops trading card Marvel app. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. So I caved and got that like last week. And I got cards of... Curse and Malekith, who are the villains in Thor the Dark World. And when I saw what they looked like in the comics, that's my first time seeing them. I'm like, damn, they could have looked so cool. Oh my God, you have it too. You have the app yeah. too. We're going to trade so many cards. But when I saw- got so many cards. What's oh. your username? Uh, I, for, uh, I think my name, my username is Andrew Fantasia1987. Let's see here. So lame. I know. You didn't use anything cool. I just use your name. We'll do that later. Name. Do it later. Do yeah. it later. Uh, Fantasia. We got people on our podcast listening they, to this. They can follow us on the app. Um, <laughs> yeah, Fantasia1987. That's my username. Um, but, but yeah, I saw Curse and Malekith in these cards, and I'm like, that's what they look like? That looks so much cooler than what the movie gave us. And mm-hmm. now Marvel is no longer shy about giving us how people look. But then on top of that, it was so like such a beautiful thing where when we see him kind of more candidly, when we see him behind the scenes, his suit looks like uh, a mocap suit because that's exactly what how it works and even as a mocap suit it looks like something a comic book character would wear and i'm just like yes citizen kane clapping uh <laughs> so i'm glad that they i'm glad they did him justice especially for you and for all the people who who have mysterio as their their favorite spider-man mm-hmm. villain because mm-hmm. uh he's very easy to get wrong and very hard to get right but that got him right baby and they you know, asked Jake, who was almost Spider-Man back in the day, too. So it's perfect. Oh, it's perfect. And, and you know, here's the interesting thing. When you look at Green Goblin, for example, and Sam, Sam Raimi, man, I'm excited for you to do Doctor Strange. I loved you when you did Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, I got to give you props because at the time, 
he had to work with a completely different budget. And on top of on top of that, he also had to um, he he was a pioneer because we hadn't really seen superhero movies that much at the time. Like, and even if they were, they weren't taken seriously. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you got to give him props for that. But his Green Goblin, like, I love the I love the actor they cast because couldn't get a better character to to play him. But the suit was ugh, ugh, ugh. It was just oh so weird. And so, so he he did redeem himself with Doc Ock, and I do love Doc Ock in the second one. I think that's a great mm-hmm. adaptation. But I love to see what MCU does with superhero outfits, especially supervillains as well. And I couldn't agree with you more. The fact that they, because Mysterio's costume throughout history if you will is pretty simple it was it's kind of just the green onesie with like this kind of square patterns he's got the purple eyes which i love with the cape uh and then he's got the the head thing um then as time progressed it got a little more layered i guess Mm -hmm. but i think what i love is i love that they did this kind of gold um gold chest plate on on his outfit here and the and then the bubble comes up and i agree with you i love that i love that there were layers to this suit first of all there's there's the the theatrical look which is essentially i i guess just lights uh, really and everything and then there's the then there's the beautiful mocap suit and i couldn't agree with you more what a brilliant idea to show the 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 mechanical layers this character has to go through to be Mysterio. And I love that because Mysterio is more than just like the person, right? Like more than just the character playing him. Um, uh, or yeah, more than just the villain being Mysterio. It, it, Mysterio is a process. Like you have to do so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I loved about him too. Like in the comics and in the, in the cartoons, I love that he would, he would be Spider-Man and he had to create a suit with all this kind of like technical gadgetry to kind of replicate what it would look like to be Spider-Man. They even gave him in the movie, and they didn't even need to, but it's just attention to detail, that like those boxes around his wrists, he has those. Yeah, he has. Oh, bravo. Bravo. Love it. Love and, it. and we get him before we even get like the opening uh, logos, which is neat. He's right there in the prologue. They don't waste any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get our first glimpse. Uh, I think, yeah, it's our first glimpse of the post-blip world and what everybody's going through now that they've come back from the the, the, the dead, so to speak. And we yeah. get that, that fun little uh, memorial video of Tony Stark, which <laughs> as a really amateur YouTube guy, it made me laugh so hard when there's that one image of Tony that, or of the candles rather, that has the Getty Images watermark in the corner. <laughs> I was like, this is what I do. Uh, well, you were an AV student, AV student too, right? I was an AV student, but back then we didn't even have access to this kind of thing. We had like those cheap, what are, what were those Macs called? The ones that had like, they stuck out at the back, like they curved. We had those Oh Macs. yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah. And then we had like the super beta version of Final Cut with like six random song things that we could use on. It was the Stone Ages, man. The, yeah. the this, the AV class. Back in my used. day. Yeah, we had to put our, our computers on pieces of wood. Um, but, <laughs> uh, Midtown High's uh, AV club was uh, was using Getty images, and that uh, I felt that I felt that right in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do love it too. Um, 
Now, I love this because you have to, like, as the audience, guys, you got to look at the situation that, you know, we all came out of Endgame. We all came out of Endgame. And literally, I, I think amongst the fans, there was a strong feeling of silence mm-hmm. um, just to, to after witnessing the spectacle that was Endgame. And this movie, I, I think it's so clever it's so incredibly clever because we all were feeling the feels of endgame and then this movie comes out and does the montage of 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 uh of the heroes and stuff and they're like thank you avengers like it's <laughs> it's so perfect it's a great way to get everyone back to the same level like people in the back of the theater the front like just ev- the fans everybody getting everybody back to the same spot. And the movie has the humor to kind of lift everyone back up to the promise that is MCU, right? Like, because you could, again, you could have ended everything in Endgame. You could have ended it there, called it a, called it a great run. Good job, MCU. Hey, we made our money. We beat Avatar at the time. Uh, and booyah. At the time. Um, yeah. So I, I do love it. And I, I love these kids. But I also love that they're like, okay, We've all, we've all, you know, experienced the loss of these heroes. Here's what's happened. Then they talk about the blip and how the the blip worked. Um, and they even defined it, which I loved. They actually went out and defined what happened so that when everyone talks about it, you now are using the language they've defined. So they talk about the blip. And that, so if you blipped out, essentially you come back as the same person. But for those who did not blip, you've now aged five years. And yeah, so, you know, you just kind of carry on. So I, I don't even know how you manage like the licensing and like, I don't know how you manage all that. But the interesting thing is I, I love that they've defined it and they, they show you the aftermath of how it worked. So I thought that was so good. It was brilliant. Yeah, there's so much potential in that. Like that could be its whole other Disney plus show is just about people coming back from the blip. They did a great, uh, just a great little thing with this, that little kid who was a kid and now everybody has come back and he's one of them. Now he's a teenager. Uh, speaking of Endgame, really quickly, we, um, we goofed in our Endgame podcast, Ryan, we made a, we made a huge goof and that oh, hasn't, what did we do? Yet. Uh, we, it's, it's funny. You're going to, you're going to kick both of us when you find out what we did. Uh, it hasn't dropped yet, so um, nobody has like brought anything up. But I'm sure once it drops, people will be like, "What? What did? You, why did you forget this?" But every episode when we talk about a new movie, we talk about uh, um, who died, and we add them to our Marvel Memorial Cemetery. We forgot to add Tony Stark in our end. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Maybe we were just, just in stop, a just lot stop of the show. Yeah. We're not allowed to continue at this point. We're like we're not, we're not allowed to continue after something like that. He's just, oh god. We were just in but, denial. We were so upset. We were so broken up over his death that we refused to put him in the cemetery. We yeah, just, yeah. Oh, and I mean, it's Disney, right? So he's gonna come back. <laughs> yeah, he'll come back as a force ghost. Yeah, um, exactly. She'll be in in Black Widow. She'll like stop and have like a cigarette, and she'll look over and she'll see Yoda's ghost, and then Iron Man, and then she'll look over and she'll see Hayden Christensen, and he'll be like, "Hey, what's up?" Uh, <laughs> oh uh, man! But uh, so I think 
and normally we talk about what kind of uh, statue or gravesite they would have in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. I think, Ryan, I think you'd agree with me. I think we just have a nice old statue of him with that little thing saying proof that Tony Stark has a heart just kind of nestled in the bottom of the statue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's appropriate for him. I think that's appropriate. I feel I, I feel like we did cover that because I remember making a joke about it. That was actually really funny. Or it was Thanos? No, it was Thanos at the oh snap. <laughs> Thanos, yeah. Yeah. We put we put Thanos in there, we put Black Widow in there. We did not mm -hmm. put Tony Stark. Uh sorry, Mr. Uh, Snake. No, no. <laughs> Uh, or no, actually, my funny retort to that would be uh, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Alternatively, it could be the uh, the Da Vinci of our time. Yeah. <laughs> what or do you say to your uh, nickname? <laughs> this is the first time you've ever brought up Christine Everhart before me. <laughs> oh, so true. So true. <laughs> Oh, geez, oh, I can't wow. we should just stop the show like that's that's a sin right there yeah, that's I know. well everybody stopped listening after that they were like these guys they do a cemetery and they don't even talk about tony stark uh this show is going in the toilet there's a toilet podcast now they didn't they're not even listening to this we're just recording this for ourselves now yeah that's we're fun. just doing it for our own self yeah zero <laughs> fans at this point yeah yeah <laughs> well starting from scratch again let's do yeah. it from the top, let's start from the first movie and go over again. Oh God! I oh, funny stuff. Yeah. So, so as we veer back into Far From Home, I think they did something that's a little nod to Mary Jane in the comics being an actress. Uh, because interesting, we learn uh, Peter has plans to to woo MJ. I love uh, that. And uh, he 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 mentions that her favorite flower is the black dahlia, uh, and that is the name of a. If I want to make sure I remember this right, because I my facts might be crossed here, but I think it was the na the nickname given to a serial killer, the black dahlia serial killer, mm -hmm. from old from the old Hollywood era from like the the 20s and 30s there was a killer who was stalking old hollywood killing like beautiful young women who had aspirations to become an actress and he was known as the black dahlia uh either that or his victim was known as the black dahlia i can't remember which is which but it, it has ties to old hollywood and actresses so i think that might be their way of being like hey mj she she likes to act in the comics <laughs> hey I think I, I agree with you. And again, I think that I I love this MJ. It's just like mm -hmm. this is this is John Watts. Is that that's his name, right? John Watts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. John John Watts. This is this is the best contemporary adaptation of MJ. Like just so so in the in the know of everything like she just can drop these cultural references right off the top of her head, but she's also incredibly smart um like for me one of one of the scenes that i think best demonstrates this is not only the 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 black dahlia but um but also the fact that she's like when she's in italy she's learning the language very quickly and like mm -hmm. um she learns that word that like means just like i don't know but like get away from me kind of thing at the same time <laughs> and she's like it's my superpower um but yeah i i, I think that um it's and and how she deals with bully like how she dealt with flash on the plane i thought that was so good um 
But yeah, so I love I love this MJ, and I, yes, I think that as it progresses, we're gonna see her kind of get into the acting, the modeling, the all that stuff. I think that's just gonna be a natural progression of her. I actually would not be surprised to kind of go for like the social media star, um, mm. you know, because she's surrounded by people who seem to familiarize themselves with social media, with Parker uh, doing or being caught on YouTube uh all the time as spider-man and but also flash having the flash mob um you know maybe mj's fame takes off through that who knows how it could play out um but i think that yeah i think we will see mj kind of tap into the the theater element that'd be cool maybe because she's so like intelligent she can she she can be the one who's sort of defending him from the public that's like trying to crucify him for what mysterio did so Mm -hmm. Maybe she's like his his uh, his his PR person. Yeah, yeah, it could it could definitely be possible, and and I would love to see her kind of defend him in that way. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, but I love that Parker's like trying to woo her already, and like he's so awkward about it, and, and it, uh, and I love that. Uh, what is it? Harry is the the, the Asian kid. <laughs> so I don't know his good. name. Is that his name, Harry? I think it's Harry. No, it's not. No, maybe it's not Harry. It's, um, oh my God. That would get really confusing with like Osborne mix ups. Yeah, no, it's, uh, oh, it's going to give me, you got to give me a minute. Uh, all I know is that sort of thing happens to me in elementary school and grades and high school a bunch where it's like there's a school trip or whatever and there's a girl I like. And it's like, I want to try to talk to her or whatever. And then like, yeah. I always inevitably just through like bad luck, poor circumstances, like I got stuck with like a teacher and then like some other guy sitting with her and I'm like looking at them like, oh no, they're bonding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I hear you, man. I, I feel your story. It's Brad, by the way. It was Brad Davis Brad. was his name. Yeah. Um, so they, <laughs> there's, always, there's always a Brad. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and uh, I know I do. I do remember those kind of situations where, like, this other, I, I had it happen to me. There was a girl I liked, and she she fell she fell for another guy, and I was so. I, but she was still my friend too, and I was so bitter about it. Oh man, but it, it is absolutely hilarious, and um, <laughs> I, I do love it. But yeah, I, I I think I think that's clever that we may see MJ get into that kind of stuff. I think that it's it's totally it's totally the right adaptation for it. It makes perfect sense. And I love that just from what we've seen, I could be totally wrong, but just from what we've seen in the images of um, No Way Home, it looks like she's along for the adventure with him. Like she's right by mm-hmm. his side, which sounds yeah. so cool. I love that idea. Um, when they were on the plane, they played, uh, there's a song that they play called Stella Stai by Umberto Tozzi, who is a very famous Italian singer songwriter. Uh, and mm-hmm. I went to see this movie with my friend Marco and he and I are both Italian gentlemen. So we both grew up going to like weddings and functions where Umberto Tozzi music would play. So as we're sitting, you know, the movie ends and we're sitting waiting for the credits to finish. Cause we know there's more. So we're sitting through the credits and we just kind of turned to each other. And I was like, Marco, we just saw a Spider-Man movie that had an Umberto Tozzi song in it. And he's like, I know in what world, what world do we live in? Like it just, it, it made our Italian hearts so happy to, <laughs> to hear our boy Umberto singing to the high heavens with Peter Parker. So. I love it. 
I mean, I also love the the international Spider-Man approach. Like, it's nice to... I think it's nice to see that we're out of New York because, again, though we have seen New York in Avengers and Iron Man and all sorts of things at times, even though Iron Man started in Los Angeles, um, I just... I I personally feel that we've kind of seen a lot of uh, the city. And Mm -hmm. I think that... I think it's time to press on and and i thought it was really cool to kind of see spider-man in a different element and see how he would be traveling you know it's just it's kind of those it's that wonderful what if question that marvel does so poetically well um so and yeah i love i i love the 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 fury thing so fury first of all not only that the car um when him and Rhea hill use the car the license plate says mtu 83779 and it is a reference to the Marvel team-up issue 83. Uh, and that's actually when Spider-Man and Nick Fury team up. Oh my God. Whoever's doing that license plate stuff is on point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there is a refle- reference to uh, a later on villain. Remind me to talk about that. Uh, but I'll just quickly throw it in. No, no, I'll throw it in when we talk about it. There's no point in reaching out there. But I loved... I. I also, you know, the other thing I loved here that we kind of skipped over is that I love that, you know, Iron Man's gone. And again, we, this is just amazing writing. We, the audience are going like, okay, so who's the next Iron Man? And I love how we're all like in the, in the story, just harping in on, on Spider-Man because like Marvel's got Spider-Man. So should Spider-Man now be the new guy, like bringing everybody in and helping them all stick together? Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like I think that was brilliant writing to kind of talk about it that way. Uh, and <laughs> I, I have to say, I gotta love uh, Samuel in this one. Uh, just <laughs> just the way the way he's talking about it. Uh, just like he's sitting in the room with the, the tranquilizer gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ned's talking about the first love and everything. Um, I love that. And also the other thing I loved is uh, in the charity scene, by the way, which was hilarious because we talked about the blip beard and the whole nine, uh, or they talked about the blip beard. I love that Happy's kind of developed a little relationship with uh, Aunt May, which I thought was brilliant storytelling as well. Behind her, we got a little reference in the charity event that they were using, there's a poster behind them, and the poster actually has a reference to Crusher Hogan and Bonesaw McGraw. Do they really? They do. They do. Oh my god! I okay. I I found a cool Easter egg in this exact same scene, but it's something completely different. So tell me about this first. Tell me what did it say? Because we were it just does. talking about them on our Falcon <laughs> Winter Soldier episode. We were just talking mm. about. Of Bonesaw McGraw. It's uh, it's an advertising poster. We've kind of seen this reference similar to Daredevil. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not exactly the same, but it definitely teases it the same way. Um, it's, uh, it's, the, uh, it's the Crusher Hogan and Bonesaw McGraw. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say against that. But it just, I guess it's that charity event used to be a wrestling arena um and uh yeah it's just nice to see that they're kind of going with that old school approach and i mean we got another we got another good uh backstory reference too we also got the reference of uh of ben parker because uh the suitcase has the initials of benjamin franklin parker which is uncle ben Mm -hmm. right so 
you got some great uh, great nods there. But I, going back to Nick Fury, I I found this was interesting with Nick Fury because like I love how he takes Spider Man and and they talk about the Shakespeare reference and he's like and I love that they're. I love that the joke they've created with Spider-Man is that he only remembers pop, pop culture references uh-huh. from movies because that's I feel like that's us as fans like that is that is how we talk we only pick up the references from more modern things. Um, now I know some fans up there would be like, oh, it's raw. but like how many times do you reference like Shakespeare or like tr- like more past writing forms that you know a lot of writers would use but not a lot of fans would use. So I think that was a nice kind of commentary there. Uh, then we get the Marvel Dimension story from Mysterio uh, in this sequence. And I have to say, I do love this because it de- defined that uh, MCU takes place on Earth 616, which is the kind of primary comic book run mm-hmm. of, of Marvel comics. Um, and what interested me about this was I was almost sold that they were doing some weird dimension thing with Mysterio, like that he was an anti-hero. And my brother came up with a hilarious theory that he was excited for. And I and he 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 thinks it's really good. And I I see why he thinks that, but for me I was really worried cuz I'm like I do not want to see uh I do not want to see Mysterio be this like interdimensional being and be like kind of like a sidekick character like i just i didn't want to see that i just don't Mm -hmm. i feel like that would have been too soon and also with a character like mysterio you want to see them as like the villain like you want to see mysterio be the mysterio agree and i i was really really worried about that um and so that speech had me concerned my brother's theory was that He's this interdimensional being, but what if he was the Peter Parker of that time, and he had to use the uh, of that dimension and had to use the Mysterio suit to like come in here and get Spider-Man's attention because he couldn't go in the Spider-Man kind of thing. So I I get why he says it; it's cool. But for me, I was like, no, no. Were you were you pulled in by this speech, or did you were you skeptical? I was skeptical just because I don't trust Mysterio. Um, but I did. You don't believe, seem to be trusting of a lot of them. I'm not trusting. Yeah, it. I don't trust very many people. When Aunt May walked on the screen, I was like, mm, "She's up to something." <laughs> <laughs> she's a hydra agent. <laughs> <laughs> but the the um, the multiverse thing I remember was kind of bandied around before the movie came out. Um, people were I don't know if it was in the trailer where where they revealed because people seem to know about him telling that multiverse tale before the movie. So I remember hearing that and thinking, that's cool if he's from the multiverse, we get to experience the multiverse. And and it's a cool way to introduce this character who's really wacky. That can be like their way to explain like, yeah, he's not like anything we've seen before because he's from the multiverse. But I, I did not, I was in the same train as you were. I was like, I don't want him to be a good guy. Like, even though it was sold where he's like, yeah, man, I'm not here to help. There was no way in hell I was on board for him being a good guy. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. So I I bought into the multiverse, but not into the the alliance. I knew it was only a matter of time before he showed his true colors. And his true colors were green and purple. <laughs> smoke. Um, 
really quickly that charity uh scene the the easter egg i saw it made me happy because it, it ties back to an easter egg that i caught earlier for infinity rewatch which is uh, happy's check happy's giant check that he's holding uh it's made out by the synchrony bank which is the same bank from thor ragnarok that drove by in the background of dr strange's scene no way oh my god i didn't pick up on that oh (laughs) wow good stuff man good stuff but i love that sync sync up everything man cash in those dollars why not have the same bank yeah Um, so our first encounter with mysterio uh happens in venice with hydro man uh great place for hydro man rather air quotes hydro man to attack venice is full of water i've been there to venice and it's beautiful uh but yeah i would not want a water monster to attack me while i was there but i think that in this scene we get visually in my opinion out of what is this like the eighth spider-man movie now or something like that visually the most perfect image of peter parker i think we have ever seen in a motion picture where it's just during this Venice fight where he's wearing like a white t-shirt, uh, a light blue button-up shirt over it, and then like khaki pants. Just something about that color combo and that wardrobe. I'm like, that's Peter Parker. If somebody had asked me to blindly draw Peter Parker, that's exactly colors and all what I would draw. It's yeah. friggin' flawless. I don't know if that's even from something, but that's just like mm-hmm. in my head canon. that's what Peter Parker looks like and how he dresses. Yeah, they nailed they nailed how he how he looks. I actually I always laugh because it's a little thing, but it actually it's just really funny to me. Is his hair actually looks like the hair from the '90s cartoon, like that that kind of slightly yeah. combed back kind of look. But it's so funny. Um, but you're right. Yeah, it's it's such an iconic look because he always wears kind of like a button shirt that's unbuttoned and the white t-shirt underneath or a colored t-shirt underneath and jeans or whatever. And it's perfect indeed. Um, I actually did really love the Hydro Man fight. Side funny note about this. I think when the movie came out, there were some sound balancing issues. Ooh. Because um, Isabella and I went to see it in IMAX. And I swear to God, they were like two decibels shy of like my ears exploding. Like oh. the movie, the movie, the, the dialogue scenes were perfectly volume, but for some reason, the Hydro Man fight and other elemental fights, the volume was so loud. And it was just like when he got hit with water, I was just like, oh, like my face was being pulled back because it was just like my ears couldn't handle the, the level of noise. But I mean, I love the fight though, because like, when, if the sound was balanced right, you feel like when he gets hit by that punch uh, and like just gets blown into the wall. Like I, I, I remember seeing like the the featurette before the movie came out and just seeing him getting pulled by the water. Mm-hmm. Oh, so cool! So cool! <laughs> I love that well, scene. I'm glad it, when 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 audio is too loud, it can really ruin it. I, I have such a a bone to pick with blu-rays because i love them i'm a physical media guy i will i never will go digital in my life i'm all about the physical media but blu-rays man the sound mixing in blu-rays is ratchet it's <laughs> ratchet all, all the time all the dialogue is like this and then when the action starts it's like this and i haven't even touched the volume like it's whoever sound mixes blu-rays 
find a new job. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't even know if it's like you have to buy like a sound bar to in order to like properly balance the sound. Ugh. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. It's just like, oh God. It's like the, the the dialogue, it's like they're whispering to each other and like freaking action or it's like they're screaming right in your ear. <laughs> but um but yeah, going going through the the finishing up kind of like the Italy area there. Um, so we get a shot of the, uh, the kind of underground operation that Nick Fury and Mysterio is and Mysterio does that speech, but we also get this Dimitri character. Yes. To be referenced a lot. Um, now this Dimitri character, uh, you could just play it off that it's Dimitri and Hey, that's it. But if you look through the rogues gallery for Spider-Man, who has quite a plethora of, of rogues um he could be and i hope it pays off because if it does it's gonna be pretty pretty brilliant if they pull it off in the third one um he is the uh chameleon that might have been my biggest laugh of the movie is when um they're leaving venice and even my friend Marco beside me, like both of us just like burst out laughing when they're leaving Venice and uh, Nick Fury has essentially taken over their trip. And you just see Dimitri, like the scariest looking man with this little sign that says Midtown High <laughs> in front of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> this is super sketch. Oh, man. He was I, I, almost yeah. my favorite character just from that one little shot of him. I love how like, uh, oh man, the teacher, he's like, hey, uh, where's like the, where are we and stuff? And he just doesn't answer him. He just stares stoically <laughs> for her. And he's like, all right, thanks. It's great. It's like, S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't even bother to get somebody who's like good at being nonchalant and undercover. Like they didn't get anybody, like they got the most suspicious looking dude <laughs> who does not speak. Oh my God. Dimitri needs his own spinoff. Um, what happened to him? I always lose track of him when I, I've only watched this movie twice, and both times I've lost track of like where he mm -hmm. ends up. Is he he's fine still alive? He's, he's still alive at the end. He doesn't disappear. He he, uh, he just scroll too just, or what? Uh, no, no, because I think he was working for. I think he was working for Mysterio. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. All right, I'm that's cool. Pretty sure because they had an informant on Nick Fury, so whoever whoever that be, would, I would say would probably be Chameleon because he's like the king of infiltration. So yes, and I, Chameleon mm -hmm. would be a hard character to pull off in a movie. Uh, I hope that if they do him, don't cast any star. Just do it where it's like it's a bunch of extras playing him, and then when you do see him, it's just like the white face dude. Like I, I love mm -hmm. that. I because that that would make the most sense, right? Like, not just like, yeah, Brad Pitt is the chameleon. No, because then Brad Pitt's going to want his face everywhere. Uh, just yeah. make chameleon mysterious. Um, we On this bus, we get, I think it might be the second funniest part of this. Uh, oh, John Watts, with the, he, he just, he makes comedy work so well with superhero stuff. Uh, when Flash is texting his family and his text says, mother, have not heard from you and father in days. <laughs> <laughs> so tragic oh my god <laughs> the fact that he calls them mother and father like that is that is a there's some stuff going on at that household things are not okay at the thompson home oh no. boy <laughs> no yeah no it's kind of kind of weird story um but yeah it also brings up the glasses which i think i think is fun 
I think it's cool to see Marvel, I guess the best way to describe them is Marvel artifacts. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really cool that we get to see kind of different drops of them. Uh, and um, yeah, so Tony gives them the Edith glasses with the AI uh, Karen kind of thing. And it's Edith is even in death. I'm the hero. Uh, which is a great acronym for Tony Stark. Um, and uh, yeah, it was perfect. And fun fact, it's uh, actually the voice belonged to Jennifer Connelly, who is the wife of Paul Bettany. Oh, oh wow. okay, hold on. You just, you you crossed a lot of wires in my brain just now. So Jennifer Connelly, because when you said Jennifer Connelly, first thing I thought of was Hulk, because she's in Ang Lee's Hulk. Yeah. So I was like, wait, a Hulk thing? But no, okay, so she's actually married to Paul Bettany in real life? Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, they are. That is a it's hot it. couple, man. Those are two beautiful people. Mm -hmm, wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and then, I, so I love this that they go to, I think they go to Russia. Prague. They go to Prague, Pro, Czechoslovakia. Oh, sorry, Prague. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, get, uh, they get lucky because they get those shields, hooks them up with those tickets for the opera. Prague is one of the most, like, they're known for having the, I think it's the best opera house in Europe. Am I mm -hmm. right? Uh, some of the, yeah, some of the best operas in Europe happen in Prague. So it's like, damn, those kids, when they all left the opera, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> go yeah. watch the opera <laughs> i but I, I i exactly yeah like go go see the opera like imagine like european opera must be amazing mm -hmm. um so we get we get molten man we get that fight scene and i love the effects that mysterio does like the shield and the beams and that has the triangular eyes shooting mm -hmm. the beams I think it was just absolutely stunning to see and it was cool we got this kind of night monkey outfit which was really fun to see um, a lot of people were like, oh, is this going to be a tease to the symbiote thing? I definitely was not there. I was not jumping to that conclusion anytime soon. I think Sam Raimi showed and learned the harshest way that you don't want to rush that kind of stuff. So don't go there. Venom's a great villain, but he's not the only villain. Don't just harp in on that right away. Um, but I love the Molten Man fight scene. Um, and I love the... This is goes back to that incredible villain storytelling when, uh, you know, how personal Mysterio gets with Peter. And we mm -hmm. haven't kind of seen this relationship since kind of Obadiah, if you really want to think about it. Because you, you really hyped up how amazing Obadiah is as a villain and how close and personal he gets with you. I think that's interesting because with Mysterio, he does the same tactics. He doesn't he doesn't put the arm over the shoulder per se, but he sits and gets in really personal and close. Um, I think he even does the hand on the shoulder from a from a distance. But oh. but yeah, I, I, it was really cool to see how personal he gets as a as a villain, how how deceivingly trusting he gets. Too bad we'll never get to see a scene where Mysterio and Obadiah Stane are talking to each other. And it's just like them. They keep trying to touch one another's shoulders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, you're right. He wins Spidey's trust. Um, and it's hard not to trust Jake Gyllenhaal. He just has like a kind face. He has kind eyes. So I think he's perfectly cast to play Quentin Beck. And then yeah. as soon as you see him uh, on his own, he goes unhinged. And he's like, well, hey, I'm a disgruntled employee. And we were all waiting for it. We were all waiting for that moment. Um, I, I don't think, I, I definitely like the, the reveal of Adrian Toomes as Liz's father more than this, just because this is like, this was an inevitability for me, but it was still very fun. And I love this whole workforce of disgruntled Stark employees he's, he's gotten. Um, 
unpopular opinion, so coming from me here. I really like the night monkey suit. I really don't like the black and red suit that he gets at the end. You don't like the superior Spider-Man suit? I think it's really boring. Oh my god. Yeah. The suit suit they've given him, like from Civil War and from Homecoming, the red and blue, best Spider-Man suit in any movie ever. The night Mm. monkey, beautiful, like black variation on that. But then this red and black one, nah, nah, does nothing for me. It, it looks like an action figure that's like, <laughs> this is what it looks like. This is a deep cut for like 90s kids. <laughs> it looks like back in the 90s when they would have to make like, you know, like Hasbro or something gets a contract where they're like, okay, you got the Spider-Man cartoon or whatever. You got Spider-Man. You have to make 12 action figures and release them in a month. And then they're like, oh, we don't have 12 characters. Well, just put a weird, wacky paint job on Spider-Man and sell it as like alternate Spidey. And it's like the one nobody wants. Uh, That's what it looks like to me. Uh, I don't like it. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, wow. I, uh, that is an unpopular opinion. I mean, yeah. you're entitled to it. You're entitled to it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I definitely disagree with you. I think it's a really cool. I like how the, the fingers are the traditional spider-man color then the black is the palm um but we'll get into that uh we'll get into that but i do like the night night monkey one Mm -hmm. and i like that they're like oh peter are you in position and they're like how's the suit and he's like it's a little tight around the old web i i don't know i don't know how they got that past the censors but that was the funniest response to that outfit uh, I think that was because there are some subtle nods to to uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man because you know mm-hmm. <laughs> there was that line when he's in the elevator and he's like uh, he's like hey uh, that that must be really uncomfortable and he talks about how uncomfortable it is and he's like and it rides up right <laughs> but I love how he's like he just drops the slide so casually and for me I almost like spat out my soda at that one because like I just wasn't expecting him to say it because like it is it is like this Disney Sony thing going on and I just don't expect him to like for this for the kids in the audience is being like oh it's a little tight around the old web shooter <laughs> it's just so funny <laughs> That might be as as R-rated as Marvel has ever gotten. <laughs> ever since Tony Stark in the first one. Um, <laughs> oh, man. But, okay, so I do love this. I do love this. And so I I, I do love the barroom reveal. I, mm-hmm. I think you, you really kind of, as you talked about it, you really waltzed past it because I can see what you're saying that the Adrian Toomes one is is a really big one, but though we were expecting this, I don't see how you could have expected how brilliantly they weaved this web and tied everything in together. Agreed. Um, because they took the smallest things from <laughs> a wide variety of stuff and brought it in so brilliantly. Um, you couldn't have done it better. And it, and it's such a nod to the ridiculous nature of Spider-Man villains and how personally they take everything. (laughs) Um, and it's like, like that scene for me, 
at first I'm I'm loving I'm loving the movie. I'm I'm in my chair and you know when I love a movie and I'm sure you guys do this too when you love a movie at some point when you're really invested you start to lean forward. And I was I was I was getting there. I as the beginning of the movie to to this barroom point I was I was leaning a little bit forward. But when that speech happens and he talks about civil war and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I created this brilliant tech and he calls it barf." Like it's it's such a nod to the absurd nature of these villains in terms of how they how they get scrutinized and just turn it into such a personal thing, personal mm-hmm. vendetta that they take it so far. And it's it's so brilliant. And you guys, I'm sure you're when you're listening to this, you're just like you're kind of I, I hope you're agreeing with me because it's such a it's such a great villain reveal to my in my mind. It's just that kind of theatrical you know like now i am the phantom like it's just so (laughs) absurd and and then i love how he's like oh yeah and and then he talks about that other scientist i can't remember his name but he's like yeah and he's like and how did he treat you with the arc reactor and then and then you see the scientist like tony stark was able to build this in the cave it's a bunch of scraps like love that scene but i love i love that they pulled in all these small things to build up this villain it was brilliant. It was such a Marvel Spider-Man villain moment. It uh-huh. could not have been better. And I, I don't, I can't see how you could say that one is one had a little more impact than the other. I agree with you. This one's predictable that that we were going to see some reveal, but not not like this. Not, not like, like this. this. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Don't don't get me wrong, brother. I I agree 100. This is a beautiful reveal. I have I have no qualms with this. I I just prefer just from my own taste, Adrian Toomes. But you're right. This is such a cool way to bring it all full circle and reference Iron Man one. And this to me feels really comic booky, uh, particularly really 90s comic booky. Because I remember one thing, and I don't think they do this as much anymore. Because I I think kids like me are the reason they don't do this as much anymore. But in the nineties, mm-hmm. when I would get comic books, this wasn't very often I would pick up a Spider-Man book, you know, and I'd open it. And then, you know, Spider-Man would meet some, he'd see some person, some supervillain. He'd be like, it's you. I thought I put you in jail. And then there'd be like a little thing under, under, underneath saying, see Spider-Man number 163. And like, and that issue is when he puts him in jail and yeah. it would do that a lot. And I'd be like, well, I feel like I'm not getting the whole story. I don't want to read this um and now they really don't do that anymore because i guess that's the reason but that's what this felt like to me like don't you remember what he said to you about the arc reactor and editor's note see iron man one by john (laughs) (laughs) and and then we get that beautiful obadiah thing coming back and talking to ralphie and uh yelling at him so yeah that is one of the most comic booky moments i think that they've ever done and it was really really cool and it was a great and it established very quickly too uh that i liked was that it established that even though these people are all working together quentin beck kind of treats them like garbage because Mm -hmm. i was like oh man are all these people gonna be like jerks are these all because they all seem like normal everyday people so the fact that he is is uh you know he he rallied them together but he's still treating them like uh, like just he's a jerk to them I was like, oh, this is, there's so many layers to Mysterio now. I, I really like where they took it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I, I love where they took it. And 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 then it, then after that, like, I was zoned right in because now I'm mm. getting the Mysterio I want. 
And then all the pieces were coming together so brilliantly. I love this too, because the other thing about it is that I love the scene with MJ and Peter afterwards when he's mm -hmm. at the hotel, they go on the date and I love how awkward they are. Um, and this is the other thing I like how awkward yet sophisticated MJ is. And then on top of that, to the point where she figures it out. And this is something I, I think that is not done well enough in the comic book movies mm -hmm. is she figures out she, he's Spider-Man, but the absurd idea that he is, she doubts it, but she throws it out there. She's yeah. like, you know what? I have a hunch. It seems so ridiculous, but I can't, I, there's no other explanation. Right. And the only other time where this was done so well, and it wasn't even a theatrical release, um, was Richard Donner's Superman, the second one. Mm -hmm. Lois figures out that Clark Kent is Superman. And how she goes about proving it is so good. Now, if you're out there and you've watched Superman 2 and you're like, oh yeah, I remember they went to Niagara Falls, his glasses fell in the fire and she figures it out. But she was skeptical the whole time. Yeah, it's really brilliant. No, you need to watch the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. Because in the Richard Donner cut, they go to Niagara Falls as the, the honeymoon couple. And she starts to figure out that every time Clark leaves, Superman comes. So she puts herself in danger. And they end up, they like, Clark Kent starts to catch on that she might know something. So he they try to save her with, like, the civilians around and try to get her to come out. Um or no, and then Superman ends up saving, like, the kid. And the interesting thing here is that she she gets fooled, and she's like, okay, all right, but I know you're Superman. Mm -hmm. So what does she do? She gets a gun, and she gets the gun, and she points it at Clark, and she's like, you know what? I was wrong. And she's like, you know why I was wrong? Because I put my life in danger instead of yours. And she calls him out. She's like, and my life in danger instead of yours. And pulls out the gun. She's like, now you're just going to have to get back up after I shoot you. Because I like essentially saying, I know you're Superman. And he's like, now wait, Lois. Like, whoa, what's going on here? Shoots him. And he does the Superman pose. And she figures it out. And that is brilliant because it, it shows how incredibly strong and sophisticated Lois is that she was able to deduce being the journalist that she is the best journalist in on in the daily planet and MJ it's the same thing and I and and I know for a fact Kevin Feige was very inspired by Richard Donner because he was a production assistant with the Superman I think it was the Superman movies um like a very young very young Kevin he Feige. must have been yeah he yeah and so yeah, so that's that was like it was like his internship, like it was it was a very young role. Mm -hmm. um, but I know he was heavily inspired by Richard Donner, and this is why I love this version of MJ because she's like, "Well, you're Spider Man," and it's like, "Are you a male gigolo?" No, I'm not a male gigolo. Then you're Spider Man. <laughs> like, like I love how she just breaks it down, and then I love the reveal that they find mysterious technology, and then they go on the you know kind of like the Scooby Doo thing. They have this like team of mystery solvers. Mm -hmm. um, and I also love uh, that I also love the scene with Mysterio and he's choreographing the big fight uh, with uh, with the, the wind monster uh, cyclone, I guess, is what we're going to call him. Um, and he's like, 
I, I love how it shows how unhinged he is because the barroom speech was so good because it just shows like he's like oh he called it barf like oh right and then the scene where he does uh where the guy's like he's like hey why why is this happening like and he's like oh it's just a glitch you know it's he's like no 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 if, if there's one of them is broken that means there's evidence and the evidence means that like he just it's it's a great scene he's like do you want to go jake gyllenhaal was so good <laughs> oh, it's it's such a great it's such a great way to show out how unhinged he is without like explaining it to you mm. like he just is just so committed and, and it's such a great scene i love that sorry i, I ranted and no I it's okay i love your jake gyllenhaal it's spot on <laughs> you've got it down to a science. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've never, I'm still really, really interested in watching the Richard Donner cut. I've still never seen it. Cause I like, I've, I don't know where I've never seen it anywhere streaming, whatever. I remember when it came out on DVD and it was still really hard to find, but uh, I'm really interested in the Richard Donner cut. Um, and we just saw, yeah, I mean, Zack Snyder's justice league. So apparently when you make a movie with Superman in it, so the studio is going to mess with you and you're going to have to wait a couple <laughs> years and then make the real version. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so I'm glad Donner got to make his cut. When um, when Mysterio has his first little fight with with Spider Man, and he's uh, oh he's doing, he's doing all Germany, his illusions. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a great there's a couple cool references in this fight. At least two that I caught. I'm sure you maybe caught like twelve more. But there's first there's a reference to Marvel Zombies when you see Zombie Iron Man. And I don't even like, like, I find zombies so boring. So I've never read Marvel Zombies. I'm just familiar with it because it was popular and I remember seeing the picture. But I saw that and I was like, oh, that's Marvel Zombies. Well done. Uh, but then they referenced something that's more near and dear to my heart, which is the PlayStation slash Xbox era Spider-Man 2 movie video game. Because in that game, you fight villains other than Doc Ock because that would have been a sucky game otherwise. And one of the ones you fight is Mysterio. And the way they do him is he's got his special effects. He's got like flying saucers going over New York and they're like, and they play like old, like cheesy B-movie music. And when you go and confront him, he's got like this fun house of mirrors kind of thing. And he makes you fight a bunch of Spider-Men reflections that just come out of the mirrors and you have to fight them all. And they even talk backwards. And that's exactly what happens here. That, so I don't know if that it. if the game took that from a comic or if, if that was something before, like if that was like a really OG Mysterial moment and the game just used it. Uh, but if not, you, they're, they're totally referencing this, this game that I played. And I was like, wow. I loved that. I wish there was more. I, I, I craved every possible like minute of like the Mysterio fighting in full Mysterio effect, like mm. creating the illusions. And I love, I, I love the mirror fighting. I love when he like had like his, his hundreds of um, Mysterios turned into like spider eyes. Uh, like there were so many moments. I think there's a tease to the, uh, the fall off the bridge MJ does in the first Spider-Man um mm -hmm. uh, with sam Raimi because it, it just looks like the shot where he opens the bridge door and like go he drops straight down um yeah there, there wasn't like a lot of crazy big references i mean aside from the obvious ones um i love like how he had like the big fist and just like knocked him like knocked him out like through that stuff i i mean if someone had access to technology like that imagine how incredibly scary that is like and what I loved about it, 
Um, yes, I love the zombie one. I think that was really cool. I love seeing him fight like the 100 Spider-Men. Um, but what I also loved was the results of that fight, that it left right. him so incredibly paranoid and afraid mm-hmm. of, of how incredibly deceiving, deceiving this guy is and powerful. And what is so beautiful about it is he gets out, like barely, by the way, he barely gets out. And he runs into Nick Fury. And then and the beauty part is he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I told him, oh, my God. And uh, and then I love how in the end it's still Mysterio. And that's what the beautiful, beautiful part is. He fights all these illusions and everything. And in the end, it's still Mysterio. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Peter. And he's just like, oh, you just disappoint me and all this stuff. And then it hits him with the train. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, just that's great why, stuff. As, as cool as Chameleon would be, it'd be hard to find ways to use him that are different from this. Mm. Um, because they, they really played with that a lot. And, and the trust issue and how it's like anybody, it almost turns into the thing. It's like anybody could be the enemy. So I'm not going to trust anybody. And you create this paranoia. Um, Nick Fury was the perfect team up for this because Nick Fury is a spy. He's all about paranoia. So mm-hmm. it, it really went hand in hand together. Um, so when he had to crawl essentially crawl to happy and be like happy help me out and get on that plane with him uh it's a beautiful moment of just like kind of pulling himself back together and learning uh mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. classic spider-man you know learning what what he did wrong and then finding a way to do it right and that scene he has with happy on the plane was beautiful it's one of my favorite scenes because it just it's such a beautiful way of looking at grief and how the two of them share their grief at, at having lost tony and then um using that to strengthen each other and using that as the stepping stone to be like, this is the Spider-Man I need to be next. If I'm mm-hmm. going to win this fight. It was perfect. Yeah. And, and uh, on a side note and on a production scale, I will say that the sound for Mysterio's voice when he's in the illusion and that he like, he, he appears all around you uh-huh. um, was so well choreographed. Like sometimes he would come in from like the right, the kind of right corner. And then sometimes he'd come uh, the right front corner, and then sometimes you come from the left back, and just kind of Ooh. this kind of atmospheric voice. Um, that IMAX he, experience must have been crazy. Oh, it was awesome, and just like oh, so good. But yeah, it's it's so good. Um, yeah, and then uh, so uh, I love what it does to Peter, and when he runs into Happy, it's such a good moment. Um, and it's again, I, for me, like like after the bar speech, the mo- the movie went from like good to just epic like it was Mm -hmm. just so well done um and and yet i think john watts also has an incredible pacing for the the line between serious and transitioning into funny he is he seems to have a really good idea of how to orchestrate a dance where one part is so serious and his character has to go through incredible amount of grief like you said um, but yet spin it to also be really nice and, and still funny and lighthearted. Um, and yet so, so uh, empowering at the same time. Like uh, when he runs into happy, he's like, tell me something you would know. Like you see this, this fear out of this character. Um, yeah. Because again, what I love is he still feels like Mysterio is around him. And it's very hard for a villain to get under your skin like that. Most times when you do superhero films, the villain will get into your head, but not not enough to a point where you still think the villain's around. Yeah. 
and, and that's, that's exactly how they make not only selling him as a threat but just selling him as something to be taken seriously because again mm. you, you show that to somebody who's not familiar with any of this and you're like this is who it's going to be and you show them a picture of Mysterio from the comics and they're like a guy with a fishbowl and a cape like he what's what's his deal and it's so hard to describe what he does so like just to see that and how it it gets like you put it beautifully it just gets under peter's skin to the sense where he is almost like raving uh that makes th that elevates his uh his threat level and that is what he does his impact is the kind of impact that's not like you know, Rhino or Venom, where like the impact is him punching him. The impact is something psychological that happens to him when Mysterio is not even around. Yeah, that's that's scary. That is a scary mm. villain. Um, and I love that. So when he runs into Happy, I love I love that whole sequence. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna beat him. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna do it. And he's gonna get back to Peter Dingle. I love that. Uh, and I love it because again, we the comic book fans know what it's really called. And I love yeah. that the movie just plays around with the words like. And, and they even acknowledge it visually. They're like, look, we know you know what it is. You've seen it in Civil War, um, but we're going to have fun with it and call it the Peter Tingle. I, lo I love that. Yeah, um, why not? Why not, right? Uh, there are the, they can't do no wrong at this point. <laughs> um, so he builds the suit, and I love that uh, he's like, you know, uh, Happy puts on the tunes, and he's like, oh, I love Led Zeppelin. Like, it's perfect. Um, so... So yeah, they go the the UK fight too is is just pure icing on the cake. Like it's mm -hmm. the scale of it's super fun. I think that the scene with Mysterio in Germany was super important because it demonstrates his potential as a scary villain. Um, but this this fight scene was just kind of just just pure fan service. Like it was just fun. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like how scary this villain is or how intense or anything like that. Because at this point, um, at this point we've seen again we've seen mysterio win so obviously spider-man needs to win and we know he's going to do it and it's a very hoorah moment um but yeah it's just it's pure fan service uh, i i love that like he's kind of loot like fury's kind of starting to get it and he's like a little slow uh, <laughs> but uh but i love it we all know who it really is but uh I, I love that he's like oh yeah it's it's all this reactors just it's absorbing the earth's core and getting bigger and all this stuff and he's like like uh sam's like well that's some bull like <laughs> i just i love that great tone setter um and yeah this fight scene is just so much fun it is it i love that and i love that they kind of retcon the suit a little bit like he like for me like i love that his suit had all the tech gizmos and everything but i wanted it to still be the simple suit like i yes. wanted it to just be shooting regular web shooters and that's really it although i still love that he has like the taser web but it's just you know it's it's attached to a suit and it can, it's a it's a manual switch kind of thing mm -hmm. like it's it's perfect um and so it, the britain scene is epic and fun uh and i will also say the museum where they go to where happy takes the kids to the museum i love that scene it's great um there is a nod to uh captain britain there uh the braddock they do drop the braddock name um Ooh, so there's neat. a nod to braddock and do you know who uh captain britain's sister is psylocke yes that's right oh i got it right so um so it's just nice to see that name in there and there is also a small tease uh you get a quick shot of it but you do see the black knight um as well so 
a great nod there. Uh, great nod in there as, as, as well. So uh, I'm really bummed that I missed that because he's somebody that I'm looking forward to a lot in Eternals. Mm-hmm. Like, because I know all I know about him is that he's sort of he's immortal like them, so he's just kind of going to be there through the ages. And that the idea of them setting him up now. Oh, I'm so I'm so bummed I missed it. Was it just like his shield and his armor? in that room um it's i think it's like a it's kind of like an arts art frame and you kind of mm-hmm. see like a, a knight on a flying horse and with oh. the, the cape yeah oh my god yeah, is he fighting somebody is he fighting like a like no it's or... it's just a really epic pose like oh really man it's like the traditional pose you would see him in a comic it's it's really well done um so so yeah so the fight scene's amazing and so getting back to the peter tingle or spider sense um i love the last the last confrontation and and throughout the fight scene i love that he's like i need the cape yes i need the cape dance like just like trying to keep it all together while trying to take out like these kids and everything it's so good um and he's like uh and he's like oh but the uh william uh william's like oh yeah but uh you know they'll see you and he's like they'll see what i want them to like it's so I, i loved all the acting choices Jake Gyllenhaal did like it's he he has no middle ground he's always like one extreme to the other I think mm-hmm. when he when he tries to give a middle ground that's like the illusion but when he's not there he's just this guy that's kind of just always like revving up the needle and it's it's perfect and so the the, the tunnel fight scene um and and I love the scale of the battle and we get to see the web wings and all that cool stuff he's got a little uh, a little spider-man parachute when he, when he yeah, the Spider-Man parachute's really yeah. good too. See, that feels uh, like another action figure. It's like, well, you could get regular Spider-Man or the one with the parachute. Like, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. And so I love the Spider-Sense one because that is a, a very iconic Mysterio versus Spider-Man moment is mm-hmm. where he just kind of closes his eyes and just lets the Spider-Sense do the whole thing. Like he just goes for it. I needed that. I felt like if this movie didn't have it, then I wouldn't have got like the Mysterio movie I wanted. But Ooh. I love how they did it. Um, another great example of that is if you want to see probably one of the best cartoons of Mysterio, yes, watch the 90s one, but I think the best, absolute best one is Spectacular Spider-Man Season 2, an episode called Blueprint. Uh, it is the Mysterio episode. That is how you do Mysterio in media representation. And that was spectacular, Spider-Man. You said, mm-hmm. "Oh, I love that cartoon." Yeah, this was a really Jedi-ish moment. There's a there's a video game franchise that I'm obsessed with from the Dreamcast era called Shenmue, and uh, it's a it's about uh, karate. It's a martial arts story. And in the second Shenmue game, there's a point where you go into this apartment building, and there's uh, you, you find you meet all these all these uh, martial arts masters, and they always like impart lessons onto you. And at one point you go into this room in this apartment building and the room is completely dark. Uh, and like, there's no light and there's this old blind man in there and he's trying to teach you a move and you have to block him when he attacks you, but your screen is black. So you just have to like, listen and, and try to hear what he's doing and what side of the screen he's coming from and block in the right direction. And it's such a, a cool, like, I feel like every great martial arts story has something like that where it's like don't trust your senses the way you normally do like learn to kind of open them up more and this is the perfect example of that it's like you you can fool everybody else but you can't fool mr parker because he's got that tingle and that tingle is going to tell him exactly 
mm-hmm. where to where to kick. And again, great example of them taking a joke and making it part of the plot. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And so, uh, and again, he takes him out in the best way. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the cool thing about it is, is, so we get the scene where he's like, he hands him back the glasses. And I love if, uh, and, and it did catch me off guard that, again, Mysterio playing the double, the, the you know, the, the, the double fooling kind of thing where he's actually holding the gun. And, uh, and yeah, and Spider-Man just bah, blocks it. Yeah. And, uh, it's so good. But I love if you watch his hand closely, he's actually holding the glasses like a gun, pointing it at him. Ooh. And it's really cool to see. Um, so uh, I love it. It's beautiful. And then I love that he goes to see MJ, and it's a very adorable scene. Um, to wrap up the kind of ending part here, uh, I we get him you know, going through New York, and he does the whole thing, and he's uh, seeing MJ and all that stuff. Uh I love it. It's so cute. It's it's such a cute. They're adorable. They're it's adorable. It's such a cute together. relationship, and I it's yeah. it's that relationship I always look for between Spider Man and MJ. It's it's absolutely it's just perfect. I think um, it's because they still look like high schoolers. It's mm-hmm. not like like Toby and Kirsten where we're like, you guys are damn near forty and you're pretending to graduate. Like these guys look like high schoolers, so it's cute. You're like, oh look at those kids just swinging it's, around. Oh man, it's so endearing. It's it's so endearing. <laughs> Um, so what's, it's interesting is you fly, so he flies through the former Avengers tower. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is still heavily debated to, to the point of this recording and beyond until, until it's resolved, which is what has the building become? Mephisto confirmed. He bought the building. (laughs) Mephisto confirmed. So it's funny you say that because, again, everyone's predicting that it's the Baxter building. It's, it's now mm-hmm. the Baxter building, and we got the Fantastic Four. Um, in fact, to a point where people have kind of depicted out of this blurry shot, when he flies through, you see a tall orange dude walking on the balcony of the building. No way. You do. You do. I am not making this up. And I have seen the shot uh, on various different feeds where they'll circle it. But the dude is like, again, when Spider-Man flies and you get that shot, he's literally the size of an ant. So you can't really tell. You can't really tell if it's just like an orange suit or it's like the thing, essentially. Um, and then he he lands to meet with MJ. And then what's interesting is, is there's a sign behind Spider-Man. It's, it says, we're excited to show you what comes next. And it goes one, two, three, and then question mark. question mark. And it's interesting because the question mark is the color scheme of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I remember catching that in the theater. And, and then during the credits, I turned to my friend and I was like, did you see that subway sign? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? Uh, that got me really excited. This whole, I think everything from when they get to London onward was just me like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the Mysterio's demise, it felt like such a classic Spider-Man demise. Like it, it felt like Norman Osborn with the glider and then, you know, same kind of thing. He's like, oh, I'm going to get you from the back. And then Spider-Man's like, no, you're not. And then ends up killing himself. Like it's same kind of thing. Like, so they, the Spider-Man villains are, they're very good at hoisting themselves on their own petard and, and uh, they're, they're their own worst enemies at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The, it, that final swinging thing, Loved it. I did not see the thing. Um, I, I really want to see this this uh, supposed large orange man. Uh, but I'm I'm so glad that the movie ended the way it did. 
and I'm so glad mm. that uh, that certain credit scene happened. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the sand credit scene. This is the big one. I absolutely love this moment. Um, it's like the best, one of the best end credit sequences. So first of all, I didn't think, uh, <laughs> first of all, I didn't think they were going to do this at the time. I just, it just seemed like far reaching. It was just impossible that this would actually happen. And they did it. They went there. They brought back Mr. J.K. Simmons as the original J. Jonah Jameson. Great evolution of the character as well. Um, that he runs like this kind of news, online news media conspiracy thing. Perfect. Couldn't have modernized it better. Um, and not only that, what a huge game changer this is. Because the, the thing about this game changer moment here... First of all, now like Peter's public enemy number one, like mm -hmm. number one. And on top of that, do we even know that Mysterio is dead? I think he is. Um, that's do just you? me. Do you, I like, how do you I like... think he is? How? Tell me how you think he is, because I think he's not. For me, it's just out of pure bias, because I like when death is final. Like mm -hmm. just just let a death be a death. So I like the idea of him being like he's so sneaky and he's so good at manipulating things that just like with with Tony, even dead, I'm the hero. With Mysterio, mm -hmm. even dead, I'm the villain. So if yeah, if Quentin, oh, yeah. you know, if Quentin Beck made a, a pair of glasses with an AI, it'd be named Edith. V. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I I love that actually because you know what I'd love to see another take on the Zola thing. Ooh, right? Yeah. Like because we do see uh, William uh, take a USB drive mm -hmm. after this whole thing, but I love this because I would love to see him evolve to being like they have all this footage of him and they could just reuse it and just create Mysterio as this robot, essentially. Yeah, and it could look like him and it could have like the big dome. Ooh, that'd be exciting. Yeah. Uh, did I, I can't remember if I told you, did I tell you who, before this movie came out, I had an idea in my head of somebody who could, they could recast as J. Jonah Jameson before we got the beautiful reveal? No. Tom Hanks. Oh, wow. I don't know about that. <laughs> In the movie The Post, he plays a character from who like is the editor of the Washington Post, and he's pretty much J. Jonah Jameson. He even has kind of the accent, except it's more like Boston-ish. Mm -hmm. But you know, because that was a world where I was like, we're never getting J.K. Simmons back, and it sucks. But like, okay, who else will we get instead? And I, I thought, well, he's the next best thing, so let's get that. But I'm, I'm. Still, still as they, I still think he could play a good Jameson, but I'm so happy we got J.K. Simmons. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. Oh, he is a dream come true. And now it's just like the thought of wondering how much, because we really don't know how much of a part he's going to play in part three. They haven't really mm -hmm. talked about it. Uh, and that sort of leads into, I guess, the question we always ask when we get to the end of one of these movies here is, Ryan, what is No Way Home? What is this movie going to be? It's funny you say that because at this point, the rumors around the third Spider-Man movie are just so, there's so many and they're so out there. 
I don't know. I ha I honestly cannot even construct an idea of what this movie's going to be. What I want is the public trial of the 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 city versus Spider-Man. Yeah. I would love to see that because I want to see Matt Murdock come in and defend him. Like I would that would be like the nerd dream is that that very scene. Like I could see it, I could see how it's shot. And I would, you could even go one step further. And then the the prosecutor is Jennifer Walters, uh, She-Hulk. It would be like, it'd just be like fear fan service for this one scene. But in terms of like the whole thing, like, I don't know. Like all, all we have are the facts. The facts are that I, I'm pretty sure Craven's going to be in it. Craven was confirmed as the villain. Then Wait, we have, was, he, was he confirmed as the villain? I'm pretty sure they confirmed him as the villain. Because remember, I'm, there's so many rumors that that I've been confirmed as the villain. So <laughs> are, are, are you positive? Because that was going to okay, be a good I, question. That okay, was going to be well, a good question for you. Because I was like, who? We know there's a cameo of of Doc Ock and Electro. Yeah. Um, but it's never been sort of set in stone who the villain is going to be. And so mm -hmm. I, I always thought in my head it was going to be one of those weird movies where there's not really a villain there's just a bunch of little skirmishes mm -hmm. he does uh so yeah. if craven's confirmed that's cool but then how does that how does craven tie into this giant thing where there's also doc ock and and, and electro like what yeah. what's going on here okay so before the before the whole multiverse rumors became a thing i'm pretty sure craven was confirmed as the villain i'm pretty okay. sure that's where they were going um, but you're right. So I'll actually not put that in the fact pile. I will put that in the rumor pile, which is insanely huge. But what we do know is it is going to tie in with Doctor Strange. That is the only fact we have that's working with us right now, is that he, yes. he's going to be tied in with uh, with uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So don't know. <laughs> so let's, let's play a quick round and never tell me the odds then. All right. What are the odds, Ryan, that Spider-Man No Way Home has whether it's as a as like a main character or they're just in it for one scene, what are the odds we see Madam Web? I actually my bet is pretty high. I think the odds are pretty high that we're going to run into Madam Web for sure. I, I really think she's a very she was a very strong character in the comics and um, also enough to make it into a cartoon to drive three seasons almost. Yeah. Um, so that's a big character. Uh, so yeah, I yeah. definitely think that the odds are going to be pretty high. Okay. What are the uh, odds you think Dormammu is going to come back? Ooh. I want Dormammu to come back because I want to see him with a form. I don't just want like lights in a sky. You know what I mean? Like I want a dude. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Dormammu's ever appeared as a dude with a form or if he's always just been like Sauron. But I am going to say twenty six percent. Okay. With Dormammu, uh, I want I want his body though. I want your body, Dormammu. <laughs> I, want, I want your body all up in my Spider Man movie. <laughs> so um, let's let's uh, jump into our character encyclopedia here. Yep. Um, and we met. Who did we meet? Well, we met Mysterio. That's kind of a given. Which is funny because he said Quentin Beck was his, not even his name. 
said he came up with the name Quentin Beck. That's right. That's right. So his name could be anything. He could be yeah. Scott Summers for all we know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so confirmed. Um, all right. So we met Mysterio. I'm not going to put Hydro Man and Sandman because I think I think we made it clear that that's not quite mm-hmm. them. You know, illusions notwithstanding, it's not quite them. So did we meet anybody else who was new? Besides Dimitri, him? which could be technically Chameleon, if Dimitri we're going to stick with that. Chameleon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's We met Jay it. Jonah. We met Oh, my God. You're right. Thank you. We almost... There you go. We almost forgot another crucial one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jay Jonah Jameson. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we, we didn't mention it at all, but a little shout out to um, Ned and Betty Brandt, because oh, they are... So precious. They're so precious in this movie. I love how their relationship transformed when they travel, and then when they came back, it just transformed back to what it was. And it's like it wasn't even anything. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're done. Yeah, there's the thing. Yeah. There's just the thing. And like I nobody was hurt. I love that line. Uh, another funny line was um, he's like, "What happened to being bachelors in, in Europe?" And he's like, "This boy became a man." Because <laughs> this reasoning was so funny. This boy oh. has found a woman. And now has become a man. He's become so a man. Good. I love Jacob Batalon. Mm. Oh, now in our cemetery, I know you asked the question, but I think it's safe to say, for now, Mysterio is among the dead. Right? That's fair. I, I don't believe it. I I technically don't believe it because he could have. He he's such a he was so careful with his plans and orchestrated everything to a detail that I think he could have seen his own demise coming. And and if it did, he he was. He was planning something, which is why I found it was weird that William pulled this like USB drive out of something. Yeah, maybe he was prepared. I mean, he can still have a grave in the cemetery and be alive on a computer stick. You know, yeah, it's the world we live in. Uh, what does his grave look like? I think you said it best. You should should design it, (laughs) even in death. I'm the villain, yeah, even in death. I'm the villain. I think that's like the perfect, it's the perfect line. And what if it's like, it looks like a giant, like marble stone statue, but it's actually just being projected by a little hologram projector in the grass. So you could actually <laughs> walk through it. It's not, it's, it's totally insubstantial. And like uh, on a rainy day, the rain hits it and it just kind of goes, it kind of fizzes in it up. <laughs> uh, my, my other one would have been the acronym BARF. <laughs> BARF. <laughs> I think that would be uh, really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. This, this is. I want to walk through this cemetery. That's such an interesting. We place. should have wrote down the uh, the lines for each one. I think we should have. I think we'll remember them. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Um, so time to rate Far From Home yeah. out of zero Infinity Stones to six Infinity Stones, or give it a gauntlet if you want to reach that seven. Let's turn Man, the dial I, up one more notch. See, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm giving away a lot of gauntlets. It's kind of losing. It. <laughs> it's kind of losing its luster for the fans. Um, I'm gonna give it an honest. I'm gonna give it an honest six. An honest six. All right. Six I feel like I you've want... never you've never given a dishonest. It's, right? so. it's true. It's true. And I say this. I say this because. I would love to give it a gauntlet. I really would, because there were still so many surprises. But after seeing it and kind of marinating it with it for a while, it, it was impactful, but not as impactful as like some of the ones I've given a gauntlet for. 
Yeah, that's totally fair. And I, I have a different rating, but I have pretty much the same reasoning as you just give, uh, give <laughs> vocabulary as you just gave, as you just gave. I'm a writer. I promise. Uh, I gave it a 5.5. Ooh, 5. I hate 5. points. Like, why would you point it? You might as well just give it the, the higher number. You might as well it's round half- it up and then give it your justification. It's half a stone. It's like when Loki's scepter is the scepter, it's not totally the mind stone. It's like half a stone. Uh... Uh, I gave it that for the same reasons, mm-hmm. though. It's just it's it's beautiful, and when it's good, it's great. Uh, but it's just not as impactful as some of the ones that I've given a higher mark to. And mm-hmm. I definitely I can't remember. I think I gave Homecoming a gauntlet, and I definitely to this day would still say I like Homecoming better than Far From Home. Yeah. Uh, so just those little mitigating factors, you know, I've nothing really bad to say about Far From Home. Uh, I'm not a fan of the black and red suit but that hardly counts as like a mark mm-hmm. against it it's just yeah 5.5 felt right it felt like the like the right little niche for it i hear you and and also i would say they i mean they had some big drops like the jk simmons thing was huge Ooh, the scrolls yeah. at the end credit sequence was big as well revealing mm-hmm. that fury and uh and maria were both scrolls uh talos and i forget the the female scrolls name um but I, I like that. And then we got the reveal that sword has already begun because they're on the, the spaceship, which was pretty cool. Yes. Um, so, so yeah. So overall, but overall, I think it's just not as comparative to like Ragnarok or like you said, Homecoming. Like, I feel like those movies had somewhat more of a lasting impression because, you know, it just, it just, it had the shock value. And this one, didn't have the same it's surprising but not shocking yes agreed it, it, it's it's just little little tweaks here and there that that kind of not even bring it down but just keep the other ones elevated it's, it's yeah. weird but yeah so mm-hmm. i think i think for from where i sat at least when i watched it which was almost two months ago now when i watched it for this podcast um it 5.5 felt right yeah but uh, who knows in the future things change but hey uh speaking of the future though ryan I'm really excited because this, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show here, this is our our final movie to rewatch because we've we've now caught up. We've, we've caught up to, to Black Widow. We're, we're we're caught up. So obviously, we still continue. We're talking about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'll be talking about all the shows when they come out. We'll talk about Black Widow whenever it comes out. That's still debatable, but. As we've mentioned before on this series, we have a ton of special episodes that we're going to be peppering in. We already did one on who we'd like to cast in certain roles. That was a big two-parter that you that can watch. That yeah, that was a lot of fun. We did our holiday special, and we have a bunch of other special ones planned. And today, as a little bonus treat, Ryan is going to introduce a special episode that we're going to do. And I don't know what he has in mind yet. And the same thing, I'm going to introduce a special episode and Ryan doesn't know what I have in mind yet. And we're going to surprise you and we're going to surprise each other. It's just going to be a big old circle jerk of shock and awe. <laughs> All right. So I, I love how you want me to go first. Kind of caught me off guard there, but I will I will take it because I, I think you're testing to see what, I, what I'm going to do because I know you, you feel like you've had this planned and figured it out. So my... What I'd like to do for an episode is list our top hype trailers of the Infinity Saga. Top hype trailers of the Infinity Saga. I love it. 
Yeah, we're going to pick, uh, I think, I don't know what number we need to do. I don't know. But we're going to pick a certain amount of films that had the best hype trailers that made you so excited for this movie and sold you on this movie. I would love to discuss that with you. I think that would be really good. Dude, I love this idea. Question, just to clarify, um, we're not counting trailers for anything after Far From Home, right? So the Falcon Winter Soldier, WandaVision, those trailers. No, I think, I think anything goes. Anything, anything goes. goes. Okay, so MCU in general. MCU in general. Perfect, perfect. Okay, mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, I'm excited. All right, yeah, we got to figure out. Here, let's figure out now how many how many trailers we should we should go for mm-hmm. um do we go five because then we really have to explain the five we choose and then if we each do five it's a top 10 if we do five it's a top 10 but let's go one step beyond because that's just how awesome we are let's each do six what are the six infinity stones uh, of trailers that we're putting in our trailer okay. gauntlet huh i love it all right top six most hype trailers. Oh, what a great choice, man. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a really good one. I really thought that was a, a fun idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't okay. wait to do I-, I already know what a couple of them are. I Same here. Yeah. I, got, I got a good one. All right, hit me. Hit me with what uh, you got. Right. So that's that's going to be one of our, our next special episodes, the top hi- top six Hype, Infinity, Saga, MCU trailers. Uh, and then you can also look forward to this one, right? This, yeah. <laughs> this one's going to be crazy. As you know, I am obsessed with movie runtimes. Okay? I'm obsessed with finding out how long a movie is before it comes out. And if a movie is long, it gets me really, really excited. Okay. So our one of our special episodes is you and I are going to spend an episode where each of us uh, beforehand, we try to guess the runtimes of all the upcoming phase. Oh my films. god! <laughs> so, because this is a little bit overwhelming here, I have I have some stuff uh, for you to write down just so just so everybody is clear as well. So, first of all, here are the films we'll be guessing runtimes for. Okay. Okay. Shang Chi. Yeah. It- Eternals. So wait, you want me to be writing this down, right? <laughs> Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sang Chi. Is this in order right now? No, it's not. Because what? I, what was in- I think at least what what Wikipedia told me. It could okay. be it Eternals. Could be so we'll be guessing Shang Chi, Eternals, um, No Way Home. No Way Home. Multiverse of Madness. Home. Multiverse of Madness. Love and Thunder. Multiverse. Uh, Love and Thunder. And then Black Panther 2 and Captain Marvel 2. Thunder, uh, Black Panther 2. Okay, and Captain Marvel 2. And then there's a few more. Oh, boy. Uh, Ant-Man 3, Guardians 3, and then the big one, Fantastic Four. Okay, okay. that's gonna be a tough list (laughs) it's gonna be a tough list so to help you out i i put together something for you and i want everybody who's listening i want you guys to play along too you can try to come up with your own guesses so to help you all out i've uh what i've done here ryan and if you want to write this down too if this will help you okay is i have compiled the runtimes of all the movies so far 
to give you an idea. Wow. So, right? Okay. So you can you can kind of gauge, be like, well, judging by what we know about Doctor Strange two, it's probably going to be longer than Doctor Strange one. Well, how long is that? That's what this list is all for. So here is here is all the runtimes we know so far of the MCU, starting with the shortest one, The Incredible Hulk, which is an hour forty two. Okay. Hour forty two. Okay. Then Thor: The Dark World, which is an hour fifty two. Okay. Then you got Thor 1 and Doctor Strange. Both of those are an hour 55. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man, an hour 57. Okay. And its sequel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, is one minute longer. It's an hour 58. Uh, then we got Guardians of the Galaxy, which is two hours, one minute. Okay. We've got Captains, both America and Marvel. Uh, they are two hours, four minutes, both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, next is Iron Man 2 which is 2 hours 5 minutes and Iron Man 1 which is 2 hours 6 minutes uh-huh. then you got today's movie Spider-Man Far From Home which is 2 hours 9 minutes okay. followed by Taika Waititi's seminal masterpiece Thor Ragnarok which is 2 hours 10 minutes and Iron Man 3 2 11 okay. then you got Spider-Man Homecoming and Black Widow because we know how long she's going to be. They are both 2.13. Okay. Black Panther is 2.14. Captain America the Winter Soldier is 2.16. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is 2.17. And then we get into the big papas here. We've got Avengers Age of Ultron, which is 2.21. Wow. We've got uh, Avengers Numero Uno, which is 2.23. Captain America Civil War, which is 227. Oh, yeah. Avengers Infinity War, 229. And last but not least, Avengers Endgame at a solid 302. Hmm. Okay. So those are our points of reference. And I know it's so riveting for all you listeners to just hear a guy rattle off numbers for five minutes. I'm so sorry. But that would help to give us a little reference of, of what we're looking at when we try to guess how long these upcoming movies are going to be i'm gonna i'm gonna have fun with this i think i think this is a fun exercise to see how this is gonna play out yeah it seems like it seems like there's an average but it's very deceiving it it does right like it feels like you think okay there's there's a sweet spot but then a bunch don't fall into it on either side of it so it's like what what's happening yeah. so it really just comes down to why i think it's going to be fun is because it comes down to what we think needs to happen and that's why mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting because you know a lot about like Captain Marvel 2, for example. I feel like you would be like, well, in the story, they would need to introduce this and that. So it would need to be this long to give out that all enough time. And you could have a really cool idea based on your comics knowledge that I wouldn't even think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't wait to see the discrepancy between what we guessed. I am. Yeah. I mean, just to give you a teaser, Eternals, my brother, I was talking to my brother about the Eternals recently and apparently the director who's doing the eternals is uh nominated for an oscar by the way um, yeah no that's right apparently the director for the eternals came in and talked to kevin feige about this idea uh and apparently blew kevin feige away with this incredible idea of the eternals um so uh to a point where kevin feige's like Here's the money. Go have fun. Like that's like literally. I'm going to stay as far away from this. Like not not that I'm not interested. 
It's just, you know what you're doing. Go have a great time. Like, that's how insane this is. So, yeah, some of these are going to be really interesting to me. I think, I think, I think the longest one from this list so far, I'm going to re, I may rejig it later, is probably going to be No Way Home. Ooh, yeah, that's, I, I was debating between that and, um, uh, Fantastic Four. I don't know. Like, it's, mm. it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. But yeah, I can't wait to, Oh, I can't wait to see what we come up with. All right. Sweet, man. I love it. All right. And uh, fans, what do you guys want to see? Let us know. If you guys want us to do a special episode, we now have the time because now we're just infinity watching as opposed to that's re-watching. Right. Oh, that's right. So we're basically Adam Warlock now because we're running the infinity watch. Or we're like that dude on the infinity watch who was like a mystery for a long time. And he just kind of looked like he was just this white ghost dude. And then you finally found out who he was. And I can't remember who he was, but he was somebody. You know what I'm talking about? He was like, the, the... <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Flag Smasher? There was a guy. Oh, your face was priceless. <laughs> there was a guy on Infinity Watch in the comics who was like, he's like the sixth member of the team or something, but he just, he had no face. Or, like he, he was like, who is this? Like, we don't know. It was like a big mystery. And then they reveal who it is. Um, I just remember that from the trading cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, uh, folks at home, if you know who the sixth member of the Infinity Watch is, please uh, email Ryan Joseph Whitehead at uh, <laughs> and say "duh" at the end. <laughs> yeah. Don't even tell him who it is. Just email and say "duh." And he'll and duh. Uh, duh! Come on, totes. <laughs> Wow. Well, we are far from home, aren't we? We uh, are. Which is the opposite. It's the opposite of what we are in real life because we are nowhere but home. Until we get- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, it's been a hell of a journey, Ryan, and I'm so grateful I got to make it with you. And I am so glad that we have more journeys to come. Yeah, it's, it's that's coming. right. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'm so, so excited. It's going to be so much fun. Um, I'm glad that we made it this far. It's It's been a long journey. And, and it's funny because we've seen some of these movies together growing up. And, and you know, and now we're seeing them, all these new ones together. And uh, I'm glad we're doing this. And, and like I said, guys, it doesn't mean Infinity Rewatch is done. Now we're just watching. We're the watchers watching. So I can't wait to see where this Marvel Cinematic Universe is going. But I hope you guys continue to stay tuned. Hit that subscribe button and don't forget to like and leave your comments down below yeah or leave your comments up top wherever you feel you don't have to comment where everybody else does yeah you don't have to be, be like the group just be a rebel that's uh, it and and you should be double excited now if you've loved the show because now it's like before you were like well i know what to expect because the next on the list is captain marvel but now it's like you don't know what's gonna happen next yeah. we're just a grab bag now we're a box of marvel chocolate <laughs> exactly Uh, it's going to be so much fun Ryan thank you so much for talking about Far From Home with me absolutely my pleasure alright we will see you all very shortly and until then please have a marvelous day